just everybody out there when it comes to taking your game to whatever level you want to take it to understand that skills do pay the bills it's cliche but it's cliche because it's true and once you do have the skill you got to make sure you're showing it when it matters where it matters and in front of whom or who matters and then you got to make sure you're getting yourself in that space maybe even before that second step you got to make sure you're putting yourself in that space which means you got to know how to sell yourself you got to market and promote yourself just being good alone is not enough in this world because it is too crowded, especially on the internet. Anybody can put anything on the internet. And to make yourself stand out, you gotta learn how to get the attention of the right people and at the right time and give them what they want and that'll get you everything you want. Hey sports fans, hope you guys are staying safe out there. I'm excited. I'm excited because yesterday I spoke with a former pro basketball player, a current entrepreneur, among many other titles, Dre Baldwin, or as some of you may know him as Dre All Day Baldwin, the CEO of Work On Your Game. We talked about a lot of stuff like his life, his basketball career, and how he became a successful entrepreneur that he is today, and a little bonus how you can get to the top of your game, doesn't matter if you're an athlete or not, in whatever path you choose. And I hope you enjoy the episode and have a great weekend. All right, Dre. So first question, can you tell me a little bit about yourself for those who may not know who Dre Baldwin is or may not know who the, the full story of who Dre Baldwin is? Absolutely. I'll give you the, the two-minute background. I'm from the city of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, born and raised. I was always into sports. Played you know, street football and kickball growing up in the driveways. And then the first team sport that I tried was actually football. And I was practicing with a football team for about two weeks. And I was doing pretty well. At least I thought I was. Until the coaches one day told us, okay, next practice, bring your equipment. So I told my parents what the coaches had said. And my parents told me that they couldn't afford football equipment. So that was the end of my football career. That was probably at eight or nine years old. Then I played baseball for a little while. So my dad was a, a baseball guy. But I wasn't good at baseball, even though I played for a few years, I, was, I sucked at baseball. So after another day of you know, striking out three or four times in a game, I walked over to the basketball court, which was right next to the baseball court. And I never left the basketball court from that point forward. Now, it's not like I was immediately excellent at basketball. I sucked at that too. But for whatever reason, I felt like I could maybe have a future. Maybe I can get better at basketball, whereas I wasn't getting better at baseball. So I tried out for my high school varsity team because we didn't have JV. We didn't have a freshman team. So I didn't make it my freshman year, my sophomore year, or my junior year. I finally did make it senior year, sat on the bench, averaged two points a game. So by that point, graduating from high school, most people would have looked at me and said, this kid's going to be successful at something, but probably not sports. I ended up going to college, walking on at a Division three school, made the basketball team there, didn't set the world on fire in college, but by the end of my college career, I had some inkling, some idea that I could maybe play professional basketball. Now, while I wasn't getting drafted to the NBA, I didn't know about overseas basketball, even though there wasn't a lot of information out there at the time, but I was able to, after a year of working, quote unquote, regular jobs after college, I hustled my way into pro basketball by going to an event called an exposure camp where I showed my game, got my first opportunity, started playing basketball overseas in 2005. My career went until 2015. At that same time, I started a parallel career that I didn't even know when I put a video on this brand new website called youtube.com in that same year, 2005. 
So I had this audience of basketball enthusiasts who wanted to get better at basketball, had the same challenges that I had that they didn't have anyone teaching them growing up. They were learning from me on YouTube while I was playing professional basketball overseas. So then in 2000 and around 2010, I started creating my own products and services, which was the foundation of the business that I run to this very day. I stopped playing pro basketball in 2015. So now I am full-time entrepreneur and CEO of Work On Your Game Incorporated. So I'm sure uh, in between all of that, we'll fill in the gaps with the rest of this conversation. Now, as you said, part of your life story is uh, playing that one year of high school basketball uh, before eventually going to Division Three, and then eventually leading to a nine-year pro career. What was your, what was your mindset like um, going from that one year of high school basketball to a very successful nine-year career? What did you have to do to kind of bring yourself to be that successful? Man, number one thing, Alex, would be mental toughness. Because coming out of high school, not playing at all, nobody, there was nobody who thought I was going to become, most people didn't even think I'd become a college basketball player, let alone a professional basketball player. I didn't have anyone, no one recruited me. I had no offers. I didn't even have a, for anybody who doesn't understand college sports, I didn't even have a walk-on offer. Sometimes you can get offered to walk on. I didn't even have that. I was just walking on to a college campus. Nobody knew who I was. I walked in that gym at the school that I started out at my freshman year of college, I had never even been on that campus. I didn't know any other players. I didn't know any of the coaches and none of them knew me. So I had to just walk in there and show my game. The great thing for us as athletes, Alex, is that sports is very much a meritocracy. So if you have game and you show it, you're gonna get your opportunities as opposed to maybe in the business world where it's a little bit more political, you gotta be a little bit more strategic and please this person and that person. In the sports world, if you can play, the opportunities will find you. So the biggest thing for me was the mental toughness of just believing in myself and continuing to be disciplined, continuing to have that confidence, even though I did not yet on paper, I had zero success whatsoever that said I was going to make it. So even through college, I didn't even play my last year and a half of college because of coaching change. I ended up getting lost in the shuffle. So I wasn't even on the team that last year, even though I was completely healthy and academically eligible. I had to check my mental toughness or call on my mental toughness again at that point, and then going into the pros. After graduation, my first year, I didn't have any opportunities to play pro. So I worked at Foot Locker as an assistant manager. I worked at this gym called Bally Total Fitness as a membership salesperson. And at that time, still nobody thought I was gonna become a professional basketball player because the look of my background at that point. So I had to kind of run off my own energy and be my biggest fan, my biggest cheerleader to that point in believing that I was gonna make it happen, even though, again, until I signed that first contract, there was nothing tangible that said I was going to become a professional player. So it was really just that, that mental toughness point. Now, you've uh, obviously been very successful after your pro career. I mean, you have over 20 books. You, uh, you're, you're a very successful entrepreneur now. You've done TED Talks. Um, when did it occur to you during your playing career that, or even before then, that you wanted to rise above just being an athlete and becoming the entrepreneur that you are now today? Oh, man. Well, that occurred to me back in, that was probably about 2002. So what had happened in 2001 on my college campus, uh, I saw this, there was this bulletin board where you could just post, anyone could post any kind of advertisements or anything on there. This is before smartphones, for those who don't know. So you got all your news from the bulletin boards and emails and things like that. So on this board, there was this posting that just said, you want to make some money in the summertime because they knew that all college students are pretty much broke in the summertime. Even when you have a scholarship, you're broke in the summertime. 
So, and it said unlimited income potential. I love, I love those three words. So I went in, I went to this little meeting. I called the number and the person told me that we're going to have a meeting at this place this time. I go to it and it's an introduction or a meeting for a network marketing opportunity. Now, I'm sure most people here, if you're over the age of 22, you've probably been introduced to network marketing by somebody. But there, I was introduced to this, this concept. And when I went to a couple of the meetings, I didn't stay in network marketing, but in a couple of the meetings, they talked about two specific things that really got my attention. One, they started explaining how entrepreneurs make money. And I had never been exposed to this information. No one had ever told me this. I had grown up around a bunch of people who were just regular nine to five employees. And no one had ever, I never read a book, anything. And the other thing was they were talking about this whole concept called personal development, which was mostly they were referring to books and they were referring to certain authors like Napoleon Hill and Jim Rohn and Brian Tracy and these people who I'd never heard of before, but they kept saying their names. So I went and started looking up these books because I'm just a curious individual. And I read the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And in that book, in the very first couple chapters, he starts explaining through his story, he explains how entrepreneurs think differently than people who work as employees or how in his story, the rich dad thought differently from his poor dad, even though both of them were smart guys, both of them were well-educated. Why one of them went one way, another of them went the other way. So that planted the seed in my mind, even before I had played professional basketball, that that's what I want to do with my life. I didn't know how, where, when, why, anything. The internet wasn't even the internet in 2002, but I knew that's what I wanted to do. So I was just seeking that. So to answer your question, what was it that uh, led me to want to be an entrepreneur outside of sports? Once, right around the time, 2008 to 2010, there were times where I was unsigned as a pro basketball player. So I was a, a free agent, unemployed, professional athlete. And by that point, I'm getting into my mid to late 20s. And I said, all right, I had to start getting some control over my, my destiny, over my career. And that's when I asked myself a really good question, which was, how can I continue to do the things that I love to do, which is play basketball and this internet thing. The internet was starting to get bigger. This is right when social media became social media. How can I be involved in that space with basketball and make money from it? That was the question that I asked myself. I did not know if there was an answer to the question, but I asked the question. And when I asked that question, I started getting some better ideas and I got some, some things that I could do. I started building out, paying more attention to my website and building my brand. This is before we were even calling it building a brand. This is when I started creating products and services. This is when you know, I read a few books, uh, most specifically Tim Ferriss' Four Hour Work Week and his blog at the time where he would give advice and little experiments you could use to test out product ideas and things like that very easily. And I started following those things. And then I started, I remember I made my first product. It was a basketball training program I sold for $4.99. It was a downloadable PDF. And I remember the day that I made my first sale, $4.99. I mean, that's not a lot of money. You can't even buy McDonald's with that. But when I made that sale, I said to myself, wait, I just created this product out of absolutely nothing. This was just an idea. I created something out of scratch and I turned it into money. A real person who does not know me, it wasn't my grandmother, a person who doesn't know me bought this product for me. Like, this is what I need to be doing. This is, my, this is my retirement plan, being able to do that. So that's what planted the seed. And that was still right in the middle of my pro basketball career. But I always knew from that point forward that entrepreneurship would be my next step. And that would be the thing that I could do forever. You can't play sports forever, but you can be an entrepreneur forever. Now, throughout your lifetime, pretty much, uh, when you're an athlete, and even now especially, You've had a lot on your plate. I think uh, 
the question on most people's uh, minds right now is when you hear about a multifaceted pro athlete or student athlete, such as yourself, like how do you, how are you able to balance all of that? Like a life, work life, sports lifestyle. How, how do you fit it all into a 24 hour day? Great question. Well, as far as when I was an athlete, I would love to have, if everything had gone perfectly, Alex, if I had been the yellow brick road athlete, if I'd been you know, LeBron James or James Harden or Kobe Bryant, then all I would have done is just play basketball. I would have just focused on basketball. That would have been all I did 24 hours a day. I would, it wouldn't have been anything extra no, I wouldn't have been focused on building a brand or trying to get marketing deals or creating products. I wouldn't even thought of doing all those things if, let's say, I had been a, a five-star high school recruit at a D1 scholarship and got drafted into the NBA. I would have just focused on playing basketball. But because my situation was completely different, I had to walk on in college. I even, my freshman year of college, I had a job. Many, like actually through college, I had jobs. I was working part-time jobs even while I was on the basketball team. Even after college, then I had to work a regular job before I even got my first opportunity playing ball. And then after my first couple of opportunities, I was still going back to my parents' house after that. So since my situation wasn't so perfect, I had to look at other ways of you know, generating revenue, generating income, and making sure I was able to support myself and create success in my life because basketball, my plan, I guess you could say the perfect plan, wasn't working exactly as I wanted it to. So that's how you know I was kind of I wouldn't even say forced is something that I wanted to do, but I did it a lot earlier than I thought I would need to had everything gone perfectly. And to answer your question, uh, how do I fit all this into a 24 hour day? It's just a discipline. It's a discipline of waking up at the same time every day, going to sleep at the same time, following a lot of the same processes, not so much that I become a robot, even though I've been accused of that, but following the same processes often enough that there's, there's a lot of uh, discipline in my day that when people look at my day, they're like, man, how do you stay so disciplined? I don't always even feel like that. Some days I feel like I'm slipping, but when other people look at it, I guess comparatively, it seems very disciplined. It's just that knowing what you're going to do, knowing your process, knowing your script and actually sticking to that script, which is a very important thing, especially for uh, solo entrepreneurs or someone who starts their own thing. You might bring people in eventually like, and build a team. But when you start out, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you have to discipline yourself to follow a certain program. Same thing the athletes have to do outside of your coach and outside of your trainers and your teammates. You have to discipline yourself to do certain things over and over and over and over again because consistent effort is the only way that you're going to get consistent results. Now, uh, now you have a brand called Work On Your Game, obviously, from your hat. And uh, what is it all about and how could other people – uh, not just athletes, uh, use it to raise their game in their respective career? Sure. Well, Work On Your Game started back in around that same period when I started my business, which was around 2009. I, had made, I was making a bunch of YouTube videos at the time, sporadically, just talking basketball or actually demonstrating basketball. And a lot of players would just ask me questions for advice and tips and help. And one day I was in a 24-hour fitness, probably about 2 in the morning, and I had my camera with me, as I always did at that time. This is before we had cameras on our phones. And I made this video that said, the reason you players, you basketball players, are having so much trouble with your game is because you are on YouTube watching me while I'm in the gym practicing. So what you all need to do is stop playing Xbox, stop standing on the corner, stop watching YouTube, and go work on your game. 
And when I said that statement, I wasn't even trying to make it a brand or a phrase. I was just saying it. But people heard it and they started repeating it back to me and a light bulb went off. Like, man, I could use that. And the great thing about work on your game is that it's not about sports. You can use that for anything. So that's where I started work on your game. And as far as uh, what it's about, it's about taking the mentality necessary to succeed in sports and applying that same mindset to business and life. And there are four specific pillars of the work on your game philosophy. The first one is the discipline to show up every day to do the work. Second one is the confidence to put yourself out there boldly and authentically. Third one is the mental toughness to continue showing up, doing the work, putting yourself out there, even when the success you've expected to achieve is yet to be achieved. And the fourth is the personal initiative to go and make things happen instead of waiting for things to happen. And the work on your game philosophy is for three specific types of people. Number one, the individual who feels in whatever area that they need more game, whether you're an author, an athlete, a, a podcaster, whatever, you feel like you just need to step your skills up. Second type of person is the one who feels like you have skill, but for whatever reason, when it's time for you to demonstrate your skill, you're not doing it. In sports, they call this performance anxiety. These are athletes who feel like they practice all the time, but then they get in the game and they don't do any of the stuff that they practice for whatever reason, which is a mental block. And the third type of person working the game is for us, for the individual who feels like you have game and you are showing it, but for whatever reason, nobody knows about it. You're just not getting the attention. You're not getting the ROI on your game that you expect. So you're t that person's challenge is more of a marketing and promotion and sales problem. So work on your game, that philosophy is for any one of those three types of people. Now, uh, as we talked about earlier, uh, before the show, we, uh, I ordered your work on your game book on my little Kindle here. Excellent. Um, now, in your book, I noticed that you, when you were younger, you had, uh, you were given advice from an eighth grader yeah. in a little one-on-one -on -one, and he told you that never to never play scared and to buy a game what do those words mean to you and why is it important for other people yeah that was my classmate actually in eighth grade his name was brandon and i'm i'm still in contact with him to this day and he was the best basketball player in our middle school so that's why i asked him for advice and those are the two things that he told me and buy a game actually that was actually the title of my first book that morph into work on your game. And what those mean is the first one is you can't play scared. And that's not just for sports, that's for life. You can't go through life afraid of what has already happened to you in the past, afraid of it happening again. You can't go through life afraid of what might happen because maybe you heard about it, maybe it happened to your next door neighbor, or you saw it happen to somebody else, or you're, you just conjured up that it might happen to you. If you go through life afraid of something happening, fear is energy. Fear is a very strong energy. And the energy that we feel, we attract whatever we're thinking about. So if you're feeling any energy very strongly, I don't care if it's aggression, if it's fear, if it's sadness, if it's happiness, if it's anticipation, you will draw things to you that reflect that very energy. So if you're afraid, whatever you're afraid of is going to happen. So when I used to play basketball in middle school, the reason Brandon told me this is because he had observed my game. He said, you're out there playing like you're scared. We will play basketball at lunchtime. I will play like I was scared. I was afraid of shooting the air ball and I would shoot air balls. I was afraid of missing a layup and I would miss layups. I was afraid of messing up and I would mess up. So you got to stop playing scared in life because you know, Alex, as an athlete in sports is imperfect. No, there's no such thing as a perfect football player or a perfect basketball player. You miss shots. You are going to get, you know, you're going to fumble the ball. Maybe sometimes a quarterback's going to get intercepted. A goalie's going to get scored on. It happens. So you can't be afraid of that thing happening. You have to have a short memory, especially of the bad stuff. And let it go as far as the buy a game thing that goes right into the work on your game philosophy which is 
the first type of person we help is a person who just knows that they need more skill. They're just not good enough at what they're doing and they need to get better. I think every athlete always will be willing to admit, I need to get better. I need to work on my game. The best players out there, the Tom Brady's, the Michael Jordan's, Kobe Bryant's, they're the ones who work on their game the most and they're already the best. So if they're working on their game, what can anyone who isn't at their level of achievement have as an excuse for not working on there. So buy a game is just about that. Uh, you need to get some skills, right? You're not good at making layups. All you do is stand around and shoot jumpers, but you're not even that good at that. This is what Brandon was telling me back in eighth grade. And the good thing about him and me at that time was that he was honest enough as a friend to be able to tell me the truth and he didn't sugarcoat it. And I was uh, objective and mature enough and mentally tough enough as the recipient of that information do not take it as a personal attack. These days, a lot of people, they can't be criticized because they take everything as an attack or you're hating on me or you're just being negative or whatever labels people want to throw out there these days. Sometimes people are just telling you the truth. Sometimes people are just holding a mirror up to you. And if you are not mentally tough enough to accept it, then you're going to reject that and think that whoever you are and whatever you are at this point is just perfect. And then you're never going to get any better. And the world is moving on. You're staying in the same spot. By definition, you're in neutral. You're losing. So I always wanted to make sure I wasn't that type of person. That's why I, one of the first stories I tell in my book is that one, because I want to prime people to understand that when people are telling you something that you don't like, maybe there's an ounce of truth in it, maybe a whole pound of truth in it, if you're paying attention. Now around uh, sports and athletics, you often hear the phrase, sports aren't your purpose, they're your platform. What does that statement mean to you? <laughs> well, man, that can mean a lot of different things. It depends on how you want to use that platform. I think for some people, sports is their purpose. It depends on who you ask. I mean, I'm sure you saw, like every athlete saw the Michael Jordan 10-part uh, docu-series in spring of 2020. Uh, seemed like all Michael Jordan did was play basketball. <laughs> and that was his thing. His thing was, I'm going to play basketball. I'm going to kick everybody's butt all up and down this court, and I am going to be the best basketball player that I can be, which also happened to be the best basketball player in the world. And we're going to win every game and we're going to win all the championships. And Michael Jordan bought into that 100%. He wasn't worried about anything else. He wasn't worried about politics. He wasn't chasing endorsement deals. The endorsement deals came to him. The marketing came to him. The opportunities came to him because he was so bought in and he produced so much on that basketball court. And Michael Jordan is still Michael Jordan. Over uh, 20 years later from at least his Bulls career, People are still talking about this guy. His sneakers still outsell every other player's sneakers added together because all he did was focus on playing ball. And I think Kobe's another guy you could put in that category who all he did was play basketball. Now, on the other side of that, you have other athletes who have decided to, yeah, they play sports and they do their thing, but they want to do other things. Nowadays, you have more than an athlete. As far as I'm concerned to address that, for me, sports was – the purpose for me, that was the main thing I wanted to do was play sports. But because it didn't happen so swiftly and easily for me, I had to get into other things. But I never looked at sports as, oh, I'm going to use sports so I can have a platform so I can say this or I can do this. It was I wanted to play sports. And had my career been more uh, illustrious, maybe that would have been all I had done. Maybe I'll still be playing to this very day. I mean, I'm only 38 years old right now. What was Kobe, 38, 39 when he stopped playing? So maybe I'll still be playing. Uh, as far as athletes wanting to use sports as their a stepping stone to create a platform, I'm not mad at it. I mean, to each his own and her own. If someone wants to do it that way, that's fine. But one thing that I do know 
is that the athletes who focus fully on playing their sport are usually the ones who win the most. That's what I've seen. I barely, I have never seen an athlete try to give a full-time effort to more than one thing and be great at either one of them at the same time. I haven't seen it, but if it does happen, they'll be the first. Now, looking forward to the future, where do you see your brand work on your game going uh, as far as maybe five to 10 years from now? Great question. One thing that we've been working on right now is making sure that we are providing the best material for athletes who want to do what I did, which is play professional basketball overseas. Since a lot of people in general don't know much about overseas basketball, there isn't a whole lot of information out there about it, aside from the information that I've put out and a bunch of people have copied off mine. And when it comes to playing basketball overseas, there are a lot of players who are more in my situation, meaning they come from a small school. There are a lot of players who didn't play in school at all who want to give it a shot, but they don't even know how or where or how to begin or what steps to take. We're providing that information for those players. As far as the outside of sports arena, it's taking this work on your game philosophy and getting it out to people who are not athletes. I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of business professionals, and getting this material of being a, being a former athlete and taking this philosophy and getting it into the hands of people who have never played sports, but they're intrigued by it because they're, okay, you're a former athlete. This is off the beaten path of what we're used to hearing, but also making sure that people understand that even though I'm a former athlete, I'm not just going to get up on a stage or on a microphone and give you the, the rah-rah motivational talk that you get from a lot of former athletes. I've heard that from a lot of them, and I just want to make sure people don't put me in that group. I'm a, I feel like I'm a different caliber of presenter as far as the material that I have to share and the value that you're going to get from it. Yes, I am a former athlete, but if you didn't know that, you would still say, all right, this guy knows what he's talking about, and there's some real substance to what he's bringing to the table. If you were to do it all again from the beginning, even maybe that one year of high school basketball, uh, what would you do differently? Or if you would do diff anything differently at all, um, or what did you wish you knew back then? What I wish I knew back then is I wish someone had introduced me to uh, personal development or introduced me to more options when it came to business at a younger age. That's the one thing that I wish I had been introduced to more because I think if I had been introduced to the personal development, Alex, I would have been able to build up, build up my confidence sooner, have more mental toughness sooner, and that would have translated to maybe better performance on the basketball court and maybe I would have actually played my senior year of high school and maybe I would have got a scholarship and went to a different school and then everything after that would have been different. But as far as how things turned out, I mean, we probably, I mean, you probably heard of the butterfly effect. I mean, we, we wouldn't be on this conversation had anything else gone differently. I don't feel like I made any big mistakes that I'm like, man, I really regret doing that. But one of the things that I tell people all the time is that you're better having regrets of commission than regrets of omission. And I have some things that I've done that I'm like, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe I didn't need to do that. But I'd rather do something and regret doing it and have a story to tell than not do something and then regret not doing it, and then always be wondering, man, what if? What if I had said something? What if I had taken advantage of the opportunity? What if I had made that move? So I am a person who I'd rather do something and mess it up than do nothing and always be wondering. Now, on a more personal level, do you have any short-term or long-term goals for yourself uh, other than your work on your brand, uh, work on your game brand? 
Yeah, of course. I mean, I always have a lot of goals for myself. One thing that I do tell uh, people and is in that book, Work On Your Game, you may, you may not have gotten to that page yet, but I tell people to keep their goals to themselves for the reason that if anyone who is not directly involved in helping you reach the goal, uh, they have no need to know what the goal is because all that's doing is, first of all, it's kind of like letting a little bit of air out of a helium balloon when you share it with another person if they're not going to do anything to help you get there. And if that person is not doing anything, they can find out what the goal is after you've done it or while you're in the process of achieving it. So that's what I do for myself with my goals. And that's also what I advise other people with their goals. Awesome. Is there anything else you want to add today, uh, Dre? Just everybody out there when it comes to taking your game to whatever level you want to take it to. Understand that skills do pay the bills. It's cliche, but it's cliche because it's true. And once you do have the skill, you got to make sure you're showing it when it matters, where it matters, and in front of whom or who matters. And then you got to make sure you're getting yourself in that space. Maybe even before that second step, you got to make sure you're putting yourself in that space, which means you got to know how to sell yourself. You got to market and promote yourself. Just being good alone is not enough in this world because it is too crowded, especially on the internet. Anybody can put anything on the internet. And to make yourself stand out, you got to learn how to get the attention of the right people and at the right time and give them what they want, and that'll get you everything you want. Gotta sleep late nights. Ayy, lot of sleepless nights. I've been on my ground for a minute. When your time has no limit, you gon' shine. Lot of sleepless nights. Hey, sports fans. Hope you learned a little something from that episode. Remember to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can connect with me on LinkedIn and subscribe to my YouTube channel for more content and news in your sports world. Thanks for listening and see you soon.